pornography. It don't matter. These things get attached to people and they just drive them down to the ground and it's no different with poor people is they just come to their lowest lowest. And I'm going to tell you something. As a grown man, when I see men asking somebody for help, I just know right away that that man's at his lowest low. Because as a man, y'all know it, guys, we are not asking for help. It's just not going to happen most of the time. Most of the time, we're going to, you know, put our boots on. We're going to hit the ground, get five jobs. If we have whatever it takes, we're just not going to ask people for money. And uh, it's just, it's really humbling to know that in our backyard, uh, even in Henry County, there's people that are living in tents right now, living day after day in the bad weather, the cold weather, eating out of garbage cans and eating what people don't want. I mean, that's just, it should not be at all. And we as a church are going to do what we can. We're going to do our part to grow and get more involved in the community. So, uh, again, thank you guys for going out, man. It was just, you know, a blessing to see the pictures on Facebook. That's what Facebook should be used for, amen. Promote the goodness of God. Hallelujah. And all you guys that do Facebook and you promote scriptures, you promote the things of God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. I mean, y'all could put hashtag Revolution Church by every scripture y'all put, okay? That's good. I like that, okay? It's just a good thing because we're promoting the Word of God. Amen? Well, I also want to, um, you know, uh, welcome a good friend. Uh, well, I say school friend, I should say. Um, long time. Um, we haven't seen each other in a long time. We went to a rock and roll Christmas thing at Turning Point Friday night, which was amazing. Uh, and she happened to be there, so we kind of bumped into each other. You know, it's just it's been a while since we've been in school. It's been a long while, okay? So it's kind of neat to see people, you know, years later and, and serving God. And, and she's got a powerful testimony that maybe one day she can share with all of us and just kind of... And how many of y'all like testimonies? Amen. Yeah. If you ever listen to a testimony sometimes, it just makes you cry a little bit. Yeah. I, I, can just, I get on Facebook and I watch some of them sad videos and I just cry. I'm thinking, man, this, ain't, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, just got, they got some good stories. Well, are y'all ready for the Word of God? Amen. Yeah. Hey, we're going to get into it right now. Uh, let's pray and then we're going to dive right in and uh, we're going to have a good time today. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, here. That right now we all lean in to hear what you have to say to each and every one of us. Father, I pray that they don't hear from a man today. I pray, Father God, that they hear from you. And that your words challenge us, encourage us, correct us, help us today, Father God. We've come to seek you. We've come for an encounter with you. And I thank you, Lord. We won't leave disappointed in the name of Jesus. Everybody says amen, amen, amen. Well, we started a series last week called what? God with us. Amen. Because we believe that God is with us. And we're kind of taking this whole series out of a, a portion of Scripture in Matthew 123. Uh, if you want to turn there, Matthew 123. It says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Everybody say, God is with us. This has been the goal of God from the time Adam and Eve messed up. He has always been trying to get back to us. Because that day there was a great divide between humanity and God. A great divide. That means that there was a separation. There was a dark void. He was no longer with us. He basically came through the prophets and the king and he, he spoke through them. But as far as abiding with us, he was not there. He, he was in a 
temple made with hands. He was behind the veil, okay? You know, the priest would go in once a year and, and bring the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies, and, and the priest would go back there and, and ask, you know, uh, God to, to forgive their sins and, and to cover them up, basically. So that was, it was no personal relationship with God. But now, through Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. And last week we talked about, you know, God is with us in the valleys. How many of y'all got blessed last week by that? God is with you in the valleys. And everybody in this room has been in a valley. Three things is going on in everybody's life. You either came out of a valley, you're in a valley, or you're going to go into a valley. That's going to happen. That's a cycle that goes on and on and on and on as long as you're on this earth. It's going to happen, okay, as long as you're breathing. But my goal as a pastor and a leader is to equip you that when you do go there, like we talked about last week, that we actually get down there and we have a praise party. We have a good time down there. People see the light and love of Jesus while we walk through the valley, and we just actually help some people come out of the valley and, and live a better life. Amen? Because some people get stuck in the valley, like the people that are under the bridge, the people that are living out of garbage cans. That's not mountaintop living. That's valley living. Okay? And the devil wants to continue to suppress people. He's hoping that when we get to the valley, we cave in. We forget who's with us. And we just stay there. I'm not staying in the valley. How about you? We're not going to do it. Amen? We also talked about last week that we, uh, you know, one of the things we said was we enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we really get to know God intimately in the valleys. How many of you know when you're really... Most of the time, you'll see people come to church after maybe a tragedy... Something happens in their life, maybe a divorce, maybe a, a major sickness or something. Then it's all of a sudden people are trying to find the channel, the remote. To, okay, God, where's God at? Okay, I want to talk to God. I, I know somebody said something about God. They, they begin to look for something to help them. But as long as we're on the mountaintop, we tend to enjoy God. Everything's going good. All the bills are paid. We got money in the bank. Relationships are doing okay. Everything's all right. We enjoy God. We don't really go after Him. We need to have a valley mentality as far as our approach to God. We really do. We need to uh, picture ourselves in a valley all the time pursuing God, pursuing Him, that part of it. Because if you do that on the mountaintops in the valley, you never know when you're in the valley. You're just walking through. You're enjoying God. You're enjoying His presence. So we found out that enjoying Him on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him in the valleys. Today I want to talk about another metaphor, the wilderness. Okay, the wilderness. We want to talk about Him in the wilderness. And how do we experience God in the wilderness? The wilderness, as far as, uh, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking, uh, it's, uh, for me, it means like trials, temptations, hardships, kind of like you're wandering around, dry places. You feel alone. You feel confused, not really knowing what's going on. Temptation is what really stands out to me as far as the wilderness. It's almost like the enemy will get you down here in the wilderness and he starts tempting you with these things. And you know you shouldn't do them. You know you shouldn't do them. But yet there's something pulling at your soul. Pulling, and you end up biting the apple that you shouldn't. You don't know what you should do next. It's kind of like, you know, you have a job, and you're kind of going back and forth. Should I stay in this job? Should I look for another one? You know, I mean, do I need to keep staying in this job? I mean, it's, 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 or should I go over here and get another one? Or should I go back to school? Maybe if I go back to school, I could get a better job. But if I go back to school, it's going to cost me money. In that valley, you're kind of in that wandering place, man. Maybe it's get out of debt. You know that you got to stop spending to get out of debt. If you don't stop spending, you ain't going to get out of debt. You're just going to continue to go there. But you look at things and you think, ah, 
I want that. And then you buy it and you say, oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have did that. You know what I'm saying? Going back and forth, back and forth. You know, maybe you know you shouldn't do it. It's wrong. It looks good. I want to try it. It's all wilderness, guys. Want to do something for God. And this is a big one. This is a big one right here. You want to do something for God, but then you begin to look back over your life. You've messed up. You've made mistakes. You've done things you shouldn't have done. And you almost begin to start thinking, would God really use me? Because I've got a trail of mistakes. I've got a trail of failures. Guys, this is something the enemy works on every single one of us. He will actually try to remind you of everything you did wrong all the time. Because he wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you on the ground. He don't want you to ever get back up. Listen, if we was perfect, we wouldn't need God. Amen? We need God every day, just like we need to breathe every day. And we need His forgiveness. And I can tell you right now, God is never throwing rocks at you. God is encouraging you. God is your biggest fan, like I said. And He's going to continue to encourage you. Sometimes when we can feel like nobody understands what we're going on, we just sometimes feel that way. We're in this wilderness and we're kind of like, man, they just don't get it. They don't understand what we're going through. They don't understand what's happening. It's a wilderness mentality. Wilderness, this is so true, guys. When you're in the wilderness, it usually follows a mountaintop experience. That means you was in a mountaintop experience with God, and then you go into the wilderness. And who better to use than Jesus? Jesus was in a mountaintop experience with God when He came to John the Baptist to be, to be uh, baptized in the River Jordan. And then what do they do? They baptize Jesus. He comes back up, and the Holy Spirit descends from heaven like a dove. And God speaks to His Son. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. It don't get no sweeter than that. I mean, when God opens up the, at the heavens and He speaks to you, man, that's a mountaintop experience. Amen? But we know what happened immediately after that. What happened? He was driven into the wilderness. He was driven into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights. It's almost like when, you know, things are going really good and, you're, and you're, you know, everything's, you're happy and your money's good, everything's doing good. It's almost like, boom, something happens to try to knock you off your high horse. You know what I'm saying? Something unexpected, something that you wasn't really banking on. Hallelujah. Maybe this type of experience has happened to some of you guys. Maybe. Maybe you had a friend that betrayed you. Maybe you thought y'all was real close, and then they just treated you wrong. You know, maybe you have a job that you just hate. You go there every day, but you don't really like it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Maybe your spouse wasn't honest to you. That's terrible. Hallelujah. Don't be lying to your spouse. Hallelujah. We don't lie to nobody. Maybe your kids are not acting right. Maybe they're just not being right. I mean, has everybody ever had that? You know, I mean, you know, if you've had kids for more than, you know, two years, you know they don't act right all the time. I mean, there's times you can just say, whoa, time out. You know what I'm saying? This, and what gets me is they really do good when they're little, a little bit better. But it's obvious when they get up here and they're like 15, 16, or 17, it's like they know everything. I'm thinking, what book did you start reading out of? Man, there's no way, man. You know what I'm saying? So there is challenges there. And it sometimes can put you as a parent into the wilderness. Sometimes you can feel alone and hurt and confused. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a bad place to be. But everybody in this room, you have had experiences like that. I don't care your age. I don't care who you are. There's been times that you felt like you were all alone. But what we want to do today is we want to actually know how, we, how God is going to be with us in these wilderness and in these valleys. Because He is desiring to walk with us through these things and bring us out. I really believe that you can actually live this life and go through trials and troubles on the mountaintop all the time. There's no reason. Jesus, when He came out of the wilderness, was He not stronger? Didn't He come out with 
full of the Holy Spirit and power and begin to start doing miracles and things? Is that not a picture of what we should do when we go into the wilderness, when we go into the valleys? You come out stronger. You come out engaging, man, saying, wow. But a lot of times we're not students of these things. We want to spend more time going, why am I going through this? Why has this happened to me? Instead, pull you up a chair and get a pen and a paper and say, God, what do you want me to learn through this? Because you're coming through it. You're not staying in it. It's not fun. I know it ain't fun to be in the wilderness. I know it ain't fun to be in the valleys. I've been there. And I'll go through more in this life. But that's okay. Every time I come out and He's helped me come out, I'm stronger. And you will be stronger too. So today, I want to share one big thought with you guys. And we're going to come back to it again and again and again. And I want you to get this big thought in your mind. Tattoo it on your heart. But it is your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. You're going through something in life, and it drives you to depend on God. I'm telling you what, this is the difference between victory and failure. Is when you go through something, and it drives you to maybe look at something to help you out. But if you reach for the bottle, that's not going to help you out. You reach for medication, that ain't going to help you out. You reach for friends and you try to get them, to, it's not going to help you out. You've got to reach toward God. And the people that do go to God for help are the ones that usually come out of the valley. Because I'm going to tell you something, valleys have ruined a lot of good people. Wilderness has ruined a lot of good Christian people. They get saved, they're on the mountaintop for a year or two, and then all of a sudden something starts going wrong in their life. And what does most of them do? They will revert back to what they did before Christ is to try to fill a void and try to help them cope with or deal with or get through this. Listen, man, take it from somebody that was raised around drugs and alcohol. I was raised in it. I mean, that, I was raised in it, okay? I lived through it, okay? I have never seen any of those people that reached to that have a better life. Never. They were good people, but as long as they reached for something other than God, it was always a void there. There was always something empty there. And see, guys, we don't want to just get through the valley. We don't want to just get through the wilderness. We want to come out stronger. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we want to come out stronger. And that's what the world needs to see. I mean, a lot of times people laugh at Christians because we don't demonstrate Jesus and what He did. That we don't look victorious when we go through things. We hear bad news and we crumble. We hear something negative. We go to work and we act like everybody else. If they're talking about everybody, we talk about everybody. If they're cussing while we're at lunch, well, I guess I might as well cuss while we're at lunch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if they're telling lies, I guess that's the way to the top. I guess I might as well lie. And then we say, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, no, guys. I mean, they've got to see something that they're not seeing in their, in their culture and in their environment. So today we're going to look at a man named Elijah. Okay? We're going to look at a man named Elijah that learned this principle. He was an Old Testament prophet, and God used him in some amazing ways. And we'll talk about that. But we're going to see a man named Elijah that was just like me and you. These people in the Bible were not super men and super women. They were human beings. But I will say this about Elijah. If I was to come in here today and I was to say Superman, many of you guys would kind of know Superman, okay? Faster than a speeding bullet. I mean, he can outrun a locomotive. I mean, really, he's just, other than kryptonite, the dude can do just about anything. 
He's got superpowers. What if I was to say Black Panther? We would say, hey, he had superpowers, right? There was things he could do that normal people couldn't do. All right? I mean, I could go on and on, Spider-Man. You know, I could say these guys, and you guys would know, hey, man, these guys, they rock. They save the world. They save people. And they're big names to us. Well, in the day, the Israelites, if they heard Elijah, they thought Superman. Okay? I mean, because of what he did while he was on this earth, what God did through him, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm telling you, he did some amazing things to him. But did you know that Elijah fell into depression? He fell into loneliness. He fell into it. I mean, this man that's seen things, I'm telling you, that would blow our mind. If we was to see him today, it would absolutely freak us out, some of the things he saw. But I want to actually take his life, and we're going to look at it. And I want to kind of bring a little context to it. At this time, Israel had a king named Ahab. And King Ahab had a wicked, wicked wife named Jezebel. Jezebel, hallelujah. Oh, Jezebel. It was a real, real dark time for Israel. Uh, they were just, they just, they had brought in this uh, Baal God and they began to start worshiping Baal and they began to start, you know, doing things that God told them. Not, you know, you replace God with Baal, it ain't going to go good, okay? And it's kind of similar to the day. You know, we've kind of replaced Jesus with a lot of other things, okay? I mean, and it just don't work well. In our country, you're seeing a meltdown because we're replacing God with a lot of other things. It just ain't, ain't going to work. Amen? So let's look at 1 Kings 19 and pick up the story where Elijah, in, 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 in chapter 18, Elijah has done many miracles. Okay? And we'll talk about that in a minute. So we get to ver, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. It says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. I mean, I get this picture right here. Because as we're in verse 1 and 2 right here, if you go to chapter 18 at the very bottom, there was a famine in the land of Israel. And Elijah told King Ahab, Look, man, rain's coming. You better get up and get gone or your, your chariot is going to get stuck in the mud. There's that much rain coming. And at that time, there was no rain. So King Ahab took off to Jezreel. Well, I want you to know this, guys that as he's spending time with the Lord and, 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 and praying to God seven times that there would be rain, you know, come. And then the, the, the rain came, uh, was the cloud the size of a man's hand, it started coming, and then all of a sudden it started getting dark. The Bible says that Elijah girded up his clothes and he outran the chariot of King Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, friend, you don't do that on your own. Have you ever tried to outrun some horses in a chariot? No, you ain't going to do that. I mean, this is probably about 20 or 30 miles. I mean, he's kicking it through here, okay? So he's, he's already witnessed God supernaturally give him flash or you know, speed, like, you know, faster than a horse or a chariot. And then he says this, you know, uh, Jez, uh, Jezebel, which I, I take it like this. Ahab came home and said, Jezebel, I mean, man, King, you know, Elijah did this. He killed all the prophets. He did all this stuff. And what do we do? Well, she probably looked at him and said, well, if you ain't going to do something, I'm going to do something. We're going to take care of this dude. So she sends a letter and she says, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah and said, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now here Elijah has already seen some amazing things, guys, but just one angry woman. All the husbands just say, well, okay, praise the Lord, hallelujah. One angry woman drives this cat to run for his life. It goes on to say, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. 
He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He, he left his servants, man. I'm gone, Jack. We're out of here. This woman's crazy, man. She's going to kill me. Then, this next scripture I want you to see. Then he went alone into what? The wilderness. In the wilderness, traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. And he made these three, these three words right here, really four. I've had enough, Lord. Has anybody ever been there? You just say, man, I've had enough. It's, I can't take no more. This is just, man, I've had enough. I've had enough. And then he said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What was the devil's intention for Elijah? In the wilderness. Die. Because I'm going to tell you something. There was greatness inside of Elijah. I'm going to tell you something else. There's greatness on the inside of you. And you need to, when you're in that wilderness or you're in that valley, you need to lift up your hands and you need to thank God. Because the devil is seeing something in you that he don't want to come out of this valley or come out of this wilderness. He's hoping to put you out right here. Okay? But if you'll trust God, you'll depend on God and come out. Not look to substance, not look to other things, not look to people, jobs, anything else. Look to God when you come out. I'm telling you, your testimony gets a little bit bigger. It gets a little bit more powerful. Amen? Elijah had fought and battled, but he was at his end. He had had enough. Like many of us have experienced this at some point and maybe even right now. Maybe you have teenagers. And at some point you say, man, I've had it up to here. I've had it up here with you. Don't make me. Boy, you better not make me. I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm telling you. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. I've had enough of this, okay? I've had enough. I've had enough, amen? It happens. Maybe you got a boss that's crazy at work. Too demanding. Don't understand. And you make the comment every time you get in traffic. Once you get past that, I've had enough traffic. Uh, you begin to say, man, I've had enough of this job. I mean, they are just putting way too much on me. They're expecting way too much out of me. I've just had enough with it. Maybe you're trying to get ahead financially. You know, you've set in your mind. Dave Ramsey, he's been in your ear. You went through the Financial Peace University. Or maybe you've just been encouraged. I'm getting out of debt. I'm tired of paying 500% on everything. I'm coming out of debt. So you start coming out of debt. You start saving money. And all of a sudden, your car breaks down. Then the toilet overflows and just kind of you know, floods your house. And then your kid's out back playing Tarzan, breaks his leg in the emergency room, and then you got to pay all these hospital bills. I, I'm just telling you, you can get to the place to where you just say, man, I've just had enough. And I believe Elijah was at that place, and I believe a lot of times we get to that place. But I have good news for you, that when you have had enough, that is when God is ready to go. Sometimes we got to get to the end before we can enjoy the beginning. Amen? God will let you go as far as you want to go. God will let you carry the load as far as you want to carry it. But there's going to come a time you're going to drop it. And you're going to say, God, I've had enough. And he's going to say, oh, hallelujah. I'm glad. Now I can be God in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. And then you say, I can't handle anymore. This is what seems to happen to Elijah. Now I want to say a few things about Elijah. And I want you to pay attention. Now these are some of the things he did. Elijah stood down an evil king and prophesied that there would be no rain until I say due to your sin. He walked into King Ahab's court. The Bible says it was uh, uh, Elijah the Tishbite. Now, I don't know what Tishbite means, but he walks in to the king's court and he said, Hey king, I'm bringing you some news. Because of your wickedness and because of what you're doing, it will not rain. Until I say so. And then he walks out. 
I'm going to be honest with you. That's the king now. We're talking about the king. He's just come in and says something, and the king's got all his people around. He's just openly told him, this is what's going to happen. Well, the king is the one that declares things. Who's this cat? So the Bible says when he leaves, guess what? He's having to go hide. Okay, so the joker goes and hides. Now check this out. While Elijah is hiding from the king, God directs ravens to bring him meat and bread in the morning and in the night. Let's get a picture of this. You go home today. You sit down with your kids. All of a sudden, you hear a knock on the door. It's a raven. He's brought you a full course meal from Publix. Enjoy your meal. I mean, birds bringing food is unheard of. I have never heard of a bird bringing anybody food. But if that happened to you, would it not get your curiosity like, man, God's up to something here. Because people, that doesn't happen. I mean, Amazon's talking about flying things to you through drones. I, I still don't see how that's going to happen. But, but I'm just saying, ravens, birds, bringing him food, man. He raises a widow's son from the dead. For three years, King Ahab was full force pursuing Elijah. Elijah stands down 850 prophets. He calls fire down from heaven. They have this contest or this, this kind of you know, battle, okay, that Elijah said, hey, King Ahab, you've been chasing me for a while? Okay, let's just see what you got. Go get your prophets of Baal, and y'all meet me right here, I think Mount Horeb, okay? And we're going to have an altar here. And the one who calls fire down from heaven, that's who we're going to serve. And if God be God, we'll serve him. If Baal be God, we'll serve him. So he said, all right, you guys go. Y'all prophets of Baal, y'all hit it. Go, guys, dig it, go with it. So they start chanting, no, 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 whatever, you know, cutting themselves, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, Elijah walks out and he goes, ho, 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 time out. Maybe he can't hear y'all. Maybe y'all need to up the volume a little bit. Maybe he just can't hear y'all. Maybe a little bit more chanting. A little bit. More. He's mocking them. He's making fun of them. Well, they, they took it to a whole nother level. I mean, they're cutting each other, blood splurting everywhere. And, I mean, it just, you know, it was bad. Well, then Elijah said, hey, look, okay, y'all just get out of the way and let me do this, okay? So not only did Elijah take the altar and put his sacrifice on it, but he had the servants bring water and just dump water on this altar and get water saturated. How many of you know that fire and water just don't work good together? You ain't going out to the ocean, getting in your rowboat, and having a candlelight dinner on the ocean and starting a fire. Ain't happening. Okay, it don't work, all right? So he's just trying to, he's making this even more ridiculous. So then God, I mean, Elijah prays to heaven, or prays to God, and fire comes down out of heaven and actually takes the sacrifice, but then the Bible says it licked up all the water. Now, I don't know about fire with a tongue. I don't know how that looks, okay? But it says it licked up all the water. This is what Elijah's seeing. But yet he's running for his life. He's in depression. He's in loneliness. He's struggling. Have y'all ever seen fire come down from heaven? I mean, have y'all ever hung around somebody that you said, hey, hey, dude, let me, let me show you something, man. I learned this last night. Fire, come down. No, no. We ain't seen that. I mean, seriously. Now, I mean, we go to movies and watch Superman and Black Panther and all these ones do these supernatural things, but it's a movie. That means when they say take, they go back to the trailer and take it easy. It ain't happening, okay? This is literally taking place. It goes on to say that he destroyed the false prophets. Not only did the fire come down and get the altar, but he also saw 850 prophets destroyed. And then he outran King Ahab to Jezreel. This is just what happened in a couple chapters. 
After he has this encounter in 19 with God, it goes on to talk about other great things that he did. Did you know Elijah never died? He went straight to heaven. Santa Claus is usually <laughs> in a sleigh with deers, okay? Well, we, that's the picture everybody gets, right, of the sleigh and the deers. This joker was in a chariot of fire, and the Bible says the horses were fire. Now get a picture of that swooping down in your neighborhood, somebody jumping on it and swooping out of there. That's miraculous, okay? That is, why didn't he get burned up? I mean, fire usually burns, right? Now, this joker's jumping in a fiery chariot and got some fiery horses that I would love to see what those horses look like, amen? And he's gone to heaven. This is the man, okay, Elijah. And he's in depression. He's in loneliness. He's in a bad place. Hallelujah. Elijah had seen God's provision. He saw his protection. He saw all of that. But one angry woman. And I'm not against women, guys. Women, y'all are awesome, okay? But y'all can scare us sometimes, okay? You women can kind of get beside yourself every now and then, okay? Hallelujah. And evidently, this woman hadn't had enough of this, this king, I mean, uh, Elijah, okay? And he was running for his life, hallelujah. When you look at Elijah, it seems though he was exhausted. And maybe we can relate. Some of you feel this way right now. You've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm doing the best I can, but it just don't seem like my best is good enough. And people ask you, how are you doing? And what do you say? I'm tired. 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 Two things they say. They either say I'm busy or I'm tired is what most people are going to say. We live in a world to where it's just about being tired, being tired, being tired. You know, Dr. Henry Cloud, which is a Christian psychologist, he was having a conversation with some church leaders. And they were all just sitting around. They were just telling Dr. You know, Cloud, he was like, you know, we're just tired, man. We're just tired. You know, I mean, ministry is tough. I mean, you're, you're, you're sometimes up late. You're running around. You're doing that. We're just, we're just tired, man. We're tired. And he said that most people misdiagnose the real problem when they say they're tired. Because the reality is, if you're tired only, well, then you can take a nap and fix that. But there's more going on than you just being tired. Way more going on. I mean, if we're just tired, again, we can get a little sleep, and we're good with that. Amen? It's not that you need physical rest. It's we need spiritual replenishment. We need spiritual food from heaven, guys. I'm telling you, man, I mean... It, you can't say it enough. This Bible right here will help you get through some really difficult things. And it will help you be rich, be blessed, be healed, and live a victorious life. The words on this page. They will bless you. They will help you. But a lot of times, guys, we don't need sleep. We need more of God. We need an experience with God. We need an encounter with Him. Remember now, God is the maker of humans. God knows how to fix you. Nobody can fix you like God can fix you. When we are broken, He puts us back together. God is the one that can fix me and you. So when we look to other things, that's where the meltdown, the breakdown comes. I mean, we have a Kia. And if something happens to my Kia, I'm not going to take it to Walmart. I'm not taking my Kia to a, um, you know, doctor. I'm not taking my Kia to the Apple store and saying, hey guys, I just, y'all know y'all work on Apple computers. Could y'all just check my Kia out? No, I'm going to take my Kia to the Kia dealership because Kia 
is the one who made my car. You don't take it to Bellamy Strickland. You take it to Kia dealership, okay? Because Kia knows what's wrong with my car. They are the maker of my Kia. They can fix it. Guys, I want to give you a big news flash. God is the maker of me and you. When we're broke, we're not working right. We got to go to the maker. He's the one that can fix us. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people that will try to get you to look here and look there and go here and go there. At the end of the day, that prescription won't work. Never will work. You will still have symptoms of failure. You'll have symptoms of lack, symptoms of sickness and disease. Why? You've looked for help in the wrong place. Amen? Amen? I need a body part. She's got a kidney growing in her, her, her right side right now. It's growing. But who's going to cause that kidney to grow? God. He's the one that's going to give the kidney. He's the one that's going to nutrient that kidney. He's the one that's going to help that kidney. God is the one that's going to do it. God is the maker of humans. Hallelujah. Psalms 23 tells us this right here. The Lord is my what? I shall not what? He makes me to lie down in what? He leads me beside the still waters. He does what? He restores my soul. He restores my soul. So if your soul needs to be restored, who are you going to? We're going to God. Some of us today need to have some restoration on our soul. I know my computer has this restore button. I can actually restore my computer back to an earlier date because maybe it's not really doing right. Maybe there's a bug that got in my computer. So I can kind of go back a week or two, hit a restore button, and it'll restore my computer before all that. Why? Because they put that in there. The maker of the computer put that restore button in there. God is the restorer of our soul. Yes, if you ain't going in the right direction, it ain't going right. Hey, you go to the maker. Let him restore your soul. David spent a lot of time there. And we're called to spend a lot of time there. What does God do? What does God do for Elijah? What I love is what God doesn't do. Check this out. God doesn't preach a sermon to him. We don't have no record of that. God doesn't rebuke Elijah. We don't see that right there. God doesn't say, where's your faith, bum? Don't you know I've been with you all this time? Didn't you see all this stuff and now you're you're, you're questioning me? What's wrong with you, dude? Friend, we have a loving father that loves each one of us so much. He's pulling for each one of us so much. He is for you and not against you. He wants you to make it through this life and he wants to help you. Again, he's your biggest fan. I mean, man, he loves you so much. He's never against you. You know what he tells Elijah? He tells him, go eat, get something to eat and rest. He was wore out. He needed some food. He needed some rest. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6, it says, Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head were some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he laid down again. This angel showed up with a charcoal grill, set it up, put the bread on there, put the meat on there, got it all ready for him, and then said, hey, 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 bro, hey, hey, man, get on up, I got some food for you. An angel of the Lord. Does that just happen for Elijah? Or could that happen for me and you? God's no respect to a person. I'm telling you, man, he will get what you need to you if you'll just believe him for it, if you'll trust him. I encourage you today, put yourself in positions to where you've got to have him come through. Put yourself there. 
He thrives on that right there. Some of y'all may be there today. Where are you going to get your next meal? Where am I going to? I need money to come in. Christmas is a little low. Look to your heavenly Father. Talk to Him. He will help you get through this thing. Maybe you're, you know, where do I go to work? What school do I go to? Who do I date? That's a big one. I mean, hallelujah. Who do I, you know what I'm saying? Ask God. Get Him involved in your life. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world, guys. Hallelujah. So he laid down again. 1 Kings 19.7, picking it up, guys. He says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. We serve a God of the second chances and the third chances and the fourth chances. Man, we're getting a beautiful picture of our Father right here. He does not give up on us. He will never give up on you. And I got even better news. He don't give up on your loved ones and ain't serving God. You need to know this, that those cats belong to Him just like we belong to Him. They're not saved right now. They've not confessed Jesus as Lord, but He created them just like He created us. And he's pursuing them right now just like he pursues us every day, all the time. So he says, he came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. God was so concerned about Elijah getting to a place where he wanted him to go that he's, wake up, I want to feed you, I want to take care of you. That's your daddy. If he would take care of Elijah out in the wilderness in a cave away from every McDonald's and Burger King and Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. I mean, they didn't have nothing out there. Okay? God is caring for him and taking care of him. And he'll do the same thing for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The, the Lord appeared to Elijah. Oh, let me, yeah, going on. And the word of the Lord came to him. Where, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, when God asks you a question, you need to answer it. And listen, your answer is not going to inform him. He already knows. The answer is to help you. When God asks us a question, he's, he's banking on that when you say the answer, it clicks with you. <laughs> That's the thing. He never asked a question for information. He knows everything. Okay, he's asking a question to Elijah to get him to respond here. Get the conversation, collaboration going on. He said, he replied, I've been very zealous, God. <laughs> the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God, I've been zealous for you. I've been serving you. And now look, I mean, I'm the only one left. They done killed everybody else. That's what you get to thinking when you're in the wilderness. But little did he know there were 7,000 prophets that were already restored or saved. He didn't, kill, he didn't kill all of them. God was there to meet Elijah in his deepest need. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Elijah is being driven to depend on God. This whole story is driving him to a place to where he must depend on God. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12 says this. And I want you all to get this right here. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that. I mean, there was a great explosion, and God was saying, I wasn't in that. After the wind, there, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. How many of y'all see on insurance policies, when an act of God happens, not covered? Well, earthquakes are not an act of God. He's not in earthquakes. He's not in hurricanes. It goes on to say that after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
He was not in the earth, the wind, or the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. The whole story of Elijah was to get him out here to where he could hear the gentle whisper. Many of you guys are here today and you need to hear the gentle whisper of God. God's, God wasn't in the remarkable. He was in the ordinary. Get that. God was not in the remarkable. He was in the ordinary. Sometimes we look to God as though He's going to do these spectacular things, and He can. But guys, He's wanting to deal with us through ordinary things. God was in the whisper. Why was He in the whisper? Why was He in that? Why does God's voice seem to be so quiet? Why doesn't He speak to us in spectacular and powerful ways? If He wants me to know Him, experience Him, or trust Him, why don't He get loud? Why don't He get loud? Why does He whisper? Why does He whisper things to us? And He's just, he, He's not in the loud stuff. He's just in a real soft whisper. He's in the whisper because He's close. He's close to each and every person in this room. I mean, for me to whisper to Belinda and her to understand what I'm going to say, I've got to be real close. If I try to whisper to Belinda way over here, she's not going to hear me. She's not going to understand what I'm saying. But what God's trying to tell Elijah, what God's trying to tell me and you, that when we're in the wilderness, you need to know that God is right there with you. He is so close. And this is so true, guys. In life, you know it and I know it. The lost people out there are having the same thing going on them. You've had those little tugs on your heart to do this, to not do this, to stay away from that. What is that? It's the whisper. He's whispering. He whispers to the sinners. He whispers to the saints. But He's constantly whispering to us because He's close. He's close to every one of us. The devil, he shouts lies, but God whispers truth. He doesn't shout at you. He whispers to draw you close. He'll whisper things like, hey, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're a good mom. You're an awesome dad. You can do this. I will get you through this. I will help you. I will heal your body. I know the doctors are saying this. I know people are saying this, but listen to me. I will heal you. I will save your children. Let me have your children. I will save them. I will take care of you. I will never leave you for or forsake you. God is with us, guys, in the whisper. Have you ever noticed in life that the volume can really get loud? And when the volume's really shaking loud, it's really hard to make a decision because the enemy likes to turn up that volume because he's not close. He's over here. All he can do is yell, scream. And it's effective too many times. It's, it's really effective. And it gets people out of whack because we're not listening to that small, still voice. What was, what was God trying to get Elijah to do? Elijah, i got big things for you. I've got to have you trust me. And I've got to have you know that I'm right with you. No matter what Jezebel says, no matter what the world says, no matter what happens, I'm 
with you. And I need you to tune in to that whisper because that's what's going to get you through life. He whispers to draw us close. Where do you want to be when you're afraid? How many of y'all in here, when you was young and, and the storms were brewing outside, the tornado was, I mean, the, the thunder and the lightning was going on? How many of you as a young kid, you kind of wanted to go hang out with mom and dad? You wanted to find shelter and in a safe place, okay? Well, our kids did the same thing. We have five kids, and, I mean, man, when it started doing all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't let them get in bed with me, <laughs> but we would make pallets all around the bed where they could actually be in our room. But why did they want to be there? Safe. 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 That's what we want to do with our great God. We want to run to Him when life is going crazy. Hallelujah. Why did they come into our room? Because they wanted to be safe. They wanted to be with ones that made them feel safe. We don't have to go to God's room. He is with us all the time. If you're brokenhearted, if you're hurting, he says in Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. No matter where you go, God is there. Emmanuel, God is with us. Psalms 139 really explains this really well about where we go. Psalms 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, guess what? You're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. I'm telling you, you can't run away from God. You can try. You can give it all you got. You will never outrun God. God is going to pursue you and pursue you. I really believe that God pursues His children to keep us out of the wilderness. I also believe God chases His lost children to keep them or to get them out of the wilderness. Because everybody started in the wilderness. When you was born, you was a sinner lost. We all started in the wilderness. Some of us have found Jesus, so now we're not in the wilderness no more. We may go through it every now and then. But I'm going to tell you something about God. He pursues those that are lost, that are in that wilderness, and He wants to get them out. That's a great God. He don't give up on us. The world may give up on you. People may give up on you. But I'm telling you what, you'll never get to the place that God does not pursue you. Never, never, never. You can go to the darkest jungle in Africa. You can run, get on a plane, and go thousands of miles away. Get out and run out to the Amazon forest and, and think, whew, man, I did it. I got away from God. And he'd stick his head around that corner and go, hey, bud, what you doing? You can't outrun God. So we can't, why? Why try? I don't want to do life without God. Amen? I've tried that for a little while. It ain't no good. Hallelujah. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than on the mountaintop without Him. I don't want nothing to do with that at all. At all. Hallelujah. God never gives up. We will never give up. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. When it drives you to depend on God. You know, in closing, I want to share this. I, I was kind of meditating on all this and thinking about this during the week, you know, and just spending some time with God. And I just had this thought, that whisper. I had that little whisper come to me. Man, you guys can go ahead and come on up. We're closing. Hallelujah. Um, but as uh, I was riding around and just kind of, you know, meditating on, on the message and meditating on the series and thinking about it, you know, there was just something that dropped in my heart. And it was, it was this right here. It was like, you know, God went to some extreme measures to save us. Would y'all not agree? I mean, He sent His Son to die a gruesome death. I mean, to be beat, to be spit on, to be kicked, to be laughed at, to be mocked, to be stripped. 
I mean, he sent his son to take all the sins of the world. He sent his son to take all the sickness and disease to hang on that cross in front of thousands and thousands of people to be put to shame. He sent his son to go through all of that so he could have a relationship with us. So he could have a relationship with us. So we would be able to come to him and have that relationship. Now, if a God would go to that strong of a measure so he could get with us and we could get to him, would it not be safe to say that the same God that did that would just be just as concerned about the situations in your life and what's going on in your life right now and that he would not do the same? He would get you through it, guys. Just like he was concerned about your salvation, he's concerned about your healing, he's concerned about, concerned about your finances, he's concerned about every area of your life, and he will help you get out of those things. Amen. He's just not the Savior. Right. Yes, he's our Savior, but he's much more than that, guys. He's our healer, he's our provider, he's our sustainer, he's our helper, he's the present to help in the time of need. Amen. I'm telling you, God is with us. Jesus brought more to us than just salvation. He brought God to be with us. So anything you go through in life, it don't matter. He's with you. He's with you all the time. And I, I kind of wanted to just close it with this right here because I say this sometimes that you need to put your name in the Scripture. God has given you promises to stand on. And just like He gave promises to Elijah, okay, and He talked to Elijah, he gave promises to those that were before us. He gave promises to Abraham. Did he not tell Abraham, you're going to have a son? And his wife was barren. What happened? He had a son. Okay? God gives promises. And we got a book full of promises. And I want to encourage you to put your name in those promises. Those promises are not for God. They're for you. They're for me. And if you want to get through this life, this Word will get us through. Remember, He's the maker of all humans. He knows how to get us through this life. But we got to do it His way. Let's say you're sick and you're not feeling good. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. That by His wounds, Nathan has been healed. See, you make it personal. You put your name in there. Because either God is true or He's a liar. And either He's going to do what His Word says it's going to do or He's not. And God has never failed. And He never will. What about I can do all things through Him who gives me strength? How about saying this way? I can do, Nathan can do all things through Him who gives Nathan strength. What if you make it personal? That's what God is wanting to do. He's wanting us to make this personal. What about, and my God will meet all of Nathan's needs according to the riches of His glory. He will meet all my needs. I don't care how bad your finances are. I don't care how much you, you need. He will meet your needs. How about Romans 8.31? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for Nathan, who can be against Nathan? That changes the game, man, when you put your name in this. And that's what the word's for. When you do that, the devil responds to that. You're whining and crying and complaining and murmuring and all that stuff. It ain't changing nothing in your life. It ain't getting you out of the valley. It's keeping you in the valley. It's not bringing you out of the wilderness. It's keeping you in the wilderness. And God's will and plan for everybody here is to get out of the wilderness because God's with us. A few more and then we're going to sing a song real quick. What about Galatians 3.13? Christ has redeemed who? Nathan from the curse of the law. Having become a curse 
for Nathan. Hallelujah. That means I don't have to have sickness and disease. He took that curse from me and you. Amen. What about you are of God, little children, and have overcome them? Because he who is in Nathan is greater than he who is in the world. You have something bigger than you on the inside of you. You have something to tap into that most of the world don't have. It's a reservoir of hope. It's a reservoir of love. It's a reservoir of healing. I'm telling you, we serve El Shaddai. Amen? The God who is more than enough. Amen? He is more than enough. And it's this God that wants every single one in this room to live a life of abundance and joy and peace. And you can do that. We don't have to bow down to this world. This world needs to see us coming. This world needs to feel the presence of God through our lives. Will you go through the valley? Yes. Will you go through storms? Yes. Will you go through wildernesses? Yes. But we can come out victorious. Amen. We don't have to come out. Whoo! Oh, glory to God. Oh, man. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. You can run out of that thing. Amen. And watch God do some amazing, amazing things. Amen. I like this real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But, I, but thanks be to my God who gives Nathan the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gives Nathan? Who gives you the victory? Amen? He don't give away failure. He don't give away this kind of stuff. He's giving away victory in him. Hallelujah. How about this? No weapon formed against Nathan shall prosper. Let's check this out. Every tongue which rises against Nathan in judgment, God will condemn Amen? You ain't got to take it personal when people say something bad about you. They ain't talking about me. Hallelujah. They're talking about God. God before you. Who can be against you? Let me tell you something, brother, sister. You have got the greatest person ever standing with you. Get fired up today, man. Chase this God like you've never chased Him before. And watch what He does in your life. Because I'm going to tell you something, man. Christmas comes and goes. Times come and go. People come and go. But God is always the same. And I'm going to tell you, you need to find your hope. You need to let Him renew your strength like the eagle. You need to soar above everything in your life. Knowing that you're only here for a little while. You're passing through. We're just passing through. This is the worst it gets for us, guys. It is. It's the worst it gets for us. We've got a, we've got a heaven waiting on us. It's amazing. But I don't want to wait till I get there to have fun. Man, nothing can keep you down unless you let it. We are not going to stay in the valley. Amen. We're not going to stay in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited. How about y'all? Y'all excited? Glory to God. God is good. God is good. God is good. Amen. Well, y'all can stand. Hallelujah.